0: guess it's my time huh good deal all right good great day well good morning and uh, and Paul you're right man uh I'm you, you dug way down into the bullpen to get me you know Jerry and Susie boy they're just dear friends of of mine and Debbie's been for gosh for I don't know how long we're real close friends and um and he, he's the starting pitcher. I man. he's the star starting pitcher. You know the difference in a starting pitcher and a bullpen pitcher is that the, the starting pitcher has a lot of pitches. He has a lot. A bullpenner, one or two, you know. So I don't have much to say, and Jerry has a lot to say. And so, uh, and so uh, uh, we pray for their, their health and uh, I'm so excited, and Debbie and I are both are so excited that Jerry and Susie get to spend time with you guys. Uh, much he, he loves this church and he loves Selma, and so I, I am. We're thrilled that they're that they're going to be here, and uh, just just thrilled about that. Um, do not you take your Bibles? Look with me over in Jeremiah chapter nine, Jeremiah chapter nine, verse twenty three and twenty four. If um, that this is. Uh, the message I'm going to share with you this morning is one that I, um, I, I preach, I, I love preaching this one. This is the one, if I could preach it every week, I would, to the same people, to the same people. I, I would preach it to myself every day, because I think I do, every day. That this is the one driving message uh, that really just penetrates into my heart and I think should penetrate into all of our hearts as believers in the Lord. And so I hope that when we leave today, that, that, that we have gone from this point over in here, in the area of just knowing God, and just knowing Him. So Jeremiah chapter 9, there in verse 23 and 24, the scripture says this, it says, Thus saith says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That he understands and he knows me. And he knows that I am the Lord Exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth; for in this, in these, I delight," says the Lord. Uh, Sometime back, I um, had this bright idea. I needed to go and buy a ladder. I don't know why I needed a ladder. You know, I, um, I, I, I'm accident prone and. You know, I could walk down the street and have an accident over nothing. And, but I needed a ladder, so I went and bought a ladder. And, and it was one of those double extension ladders. I needed to get up on the roof, which was quite dangerous to do, you know. And, but I needed one of those things, and I, I went and, and went to Lowe's and bought me one of those ladders and brought the thing home. And, and I did something that most men never do. Look at the instructions. Never do. Men, do you you ever read the instructions? Not often. Why? Because we're men. We don't need anyone's help in any area, especially reading instructions. Well, I happened to have a weak moment, and I said, you know, I'm just going to read the instructions about this ladder. And this is what the instructions said. It said, the first thing and the most important thing that you are to do is to place the ladder... On something that is solid, and lean the ladder upon something that is stable and solid. And it had all kind of little pictures in there, like you don't put the ladder in water, you know, and thinking water will hold you, won't do it. It had all these little pictures. And then leaning against the ladder, the ladder leaning against something, it said, you know, do not lean, he had little X's, do not lean that ladder against a bush. Do not lean it against some trees. And he said, whenever you're placing the ladder down, do not put it in the back of a pickup. You know, and all of that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about, Guys. You know, you, you never lean a, a ladder against a bush and try to get up. Yes, you have. You never lean against a tree and try to go. Yes, yes, you have. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, you have. You've never put one in the back of a pickup to get a, just a little bit higher to reach somewhere. Yeah, yes, you have. And I read that and, and I, I was saying, wow, man, that sounds like common sense. You know, surely I don't want to fall, and so surely I need to get my ladder leaned up where I needed to be, and I needed to make sure the ladder was very, very solid. You know, that is just common, common sense, I, 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 I thought. And I realized as I read the instructions, because it really didn't say much about anything else about it, except maybe those two the ladder is to be on something solid, and the ladder is to lean against something solid that will hold you this way and will hold you in this way. And it said, you know, that is the main duty that you need to know. The main thing that you needed to know is making sure everything is secure. Because if you do not secure everything, then you're heading to danger. There's a possible fall, there is a possible uh, pitfall, and there's some hurt that will come your way if you do not follow the duty the main the main duty now there's something about all of this that is um, that we need to understand just about about life and this is what it is about life is that in my own life i need to make sure that i am putting my life and fixing my life on something that is solid we know those songs my life is built on nothing less than jesus blood and his righteousness we know that that we're to build upon christ and we're to be solid here but also that I'm to lean my life upon something that is very solid. That is the first duties of my life, to making sure that I'm solid, that that the bottom, that I'm firm, and that I'm putting the ladder of my life, the opportunities of my life, the design of my life against something that is so, so, so solid. That is part of the main duty of my life. But let me just ask you this morning, what, uh, do you know what the real main duty of life is? I said that making sure something's solid here and something solid there. But you know what the main duty of all of that is in life, what your main duty in life is? What are you created for? Let's just start there. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to carry out the main duty. That is your purpose. Some of you are probably wondering, what in the world is my purpose of life? Why am I still here? And we always say, you know, hey, we come out of some extreme sickness. We say this, well, the Lord still must have a purpose for me. Well, there is. You were born with a purpose. There's a purpose for you. And that purpose is wrapped up in the main duty of your life. Well, what is it? Westminster Catechism says it well. He says this, it says, the, the chief end and main duty of man is to know God and to enjoy Him forever. That is your duty. That is your duty. That comes before anything else, to know Him and to enjoy Him. I mean to just enjoy God, enjoy being with Him, enjoy being around Him, enjoying the fellowship with Him. But enjoying the fellowship and being around Him, you've got to come to the place of knowing Him. And the more you know Him, the more you're going to enjoy Him. And the more you enjoy Him, the more you want to hang out with Him. Your main purpose in life is just to know Him. That comes before everything else. It comes before in a church, it comes before preaching, it comes before singing, it comes before giving, it comes before missions, it comes before everything else. Everything else. The main duty of life, the main duty of a church, the main duty of your own walk is to know God. Is to know Him, and to know Him, and to know Him. Nothing else matters until that is that is settled in your mind where your life is set upon that foundation and you have put the ladder of your life against the wall of knowing him and then pursuing him with passion. Oh, that's your main duty. Your main duty. That's a, you, know, you can be the, the church that has everything in the world going for it and, and miss out on the main duty. You can be the church that is the, the greatest mission church in the world and miss out on the main duty. You can be the, the greatest singing church or the greatest preaching or the greatest whatever you want it to be and miss out on the main duty. Well, how do you know? Well, there's one that is registered in Scripture over in Revelation chapter 2 where the Lord was sharing with this church called the Church of Ephesus. Oh, and he was saying to them, listen, you're, you're knocking it out of the ballpark. I mean, you're the leader of the denomination, in giving, and missions, and in preaching, and in everything in the world. You're helping more people than anyone else has ever done. You're doing all of these things, and you're protecting the Word of God, and you're preaching the Word of God, and you're singing the Word of God. You're doing all of these things. But then he goes on, and he says, But, none of that really matters, because you have left your first duty. You have left your first love. He says. you've left me. You've left me. Well, Lord, look at all the things that we have done. And he said, that doesn't matter. You have left out the first duty. And that is to know me. To know me. The greatest thing you'll ever do in your personal life and the greatest thing you'll ever do in your church life is to function in the main duty. If you don't, if you don't, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. If you don't, you're going to move in an area where it's up and down, up and down. You carry out and you start in the main duty, and that is to know God. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, How are you doing with your duty how are you doing with knowing God? I'm not asking you if you, want to, if you want to know about God. I'm not asking you if you read your Bible. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, is that the passion of your heart and your life, to know God? Is that the heart and passion of your life? It becomes before everything else. And that's the standard that it is all throughout Scripture. It started out in the very beginning that way. Remember God spending time with Adam and Eve? The Bible says in the cool of the evening that they all got together and they took a walk every evening. Can you imagine taking a journey every day with holy God and letting God explain everything in life and seeing the Garden of Eden and seeing all of creation through the eyes and hearing the voice of holy God? That's the duty. Oh, and you'll find it all throughout Scripture with Moses. When Moses had that Had that time with, uh, when he met the Lord and there was that bush that was on fire, but yet it was not being consumed. It was not burning and not going away. And, and the Lord spoke to him and told him exactly what to do. And so he went over and he shared a word with, with Pharaoh. And you recorded, it's recorded over in Exodus chapter seven, verse 16. And he says, listen, you let the people go that they may go out and that they may have fellowship with God that they may worship the Lord, that they may get to know their God. And then there in that 19th chapter, there in verse 17, Moses brought the people of God out, out to a place, and the scripture says this, he took them out that they might meet God. Not going to the promised land, that was not the most important thing. All oh, living in the land with all the milk and the honey and all of these wonderful things, that was not... The priority, the priority was to know God, to meet with God. That is the priority of life. That is the priority of life. Then let me just share this with you. The priority of life is for this church is not to reach Selma, but your priority is to know him and know how he wants you to reach Selma. It's knowing him. Everything starts with him. If it's not, it's called idolatry everything starts with him the duty that you have in your life is to know him and to walk with him you see it just didn't stop with moses man david david shared all about it throughout the entire psalms whenever he said in psalm 145 i extol thee O lord i am so excited about you O god and he was knowing the god himself knowing the shepherd god of psalm 23 knowing him just knowing him Oh, the Lord Jesus himself said this, you know. He says, seek first the very kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Well, what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is wrapped up in the king, a person. He says, seek first God. Seek first him and him alone. Paul was asked one day over over while he was in a a prison there in Philippians chapter 3. Somebody went to Paul, I'm sure, and said, Paul, you know, you're in the prison right here, and we're so sorry that you're not able to carry out the purpose of your life because you're a great preacher, and you're a great church planter, and and man, you're a great prayer warrior, and you're a great encourager, and you're great in all these things. And, And Paul says, listen, that's not why I'm here. My main purpose isn't to start churches. My main purpose isn't to go in to encourage people. He says, my main purpose is this. He said that I might know Him that I might know Him. That's why I exist. That's why you exist. That's why you exist. To know Him. My main purpose of life is not to be a preacher. My main purpose of life is that I might know Him and enjoy Him. Spend time with Him. Where He is all of my life And my life is just all of Him. And then things become very productive whenever I set forth my main duty of living. So what does it mean to know God? Let me give you about three. I'm always going to give you at least three things anyway. And let me kind of share three things with you based upon a question. Or based upon three questions. First of all, I want you to get this. What does it mean to know God? I mean, did, did, does I, what does it mean to get a pamphlet about how to know God or get another book? It's all we need, another book. Or go to another conference or, or something like that and know, to know how to know God. What does it mean to know God? Well, he tells us here in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, especially there in verse 24, he tells us what it means to know God. and It's really wrapped up in a couple of words. Notice the words there in in verse 24, look in the scripture, Jeremiah 9, 24. He uses the word understands, you need to underline that word, and you need to underline the word knows, or knows me, or knowing. What does those two words mean? Understanding and to know. Where understanding means this, to have the correct insight into the nature of an object, the correct insight resulting in a conforming of one's life to the character of that object. That means I see that object, and it is consuming me so much that it is making me conform my life into it, focused into it. You know, that life there is beginning to affect my life beginning to affect my life, understanding them. Whenever Debbie and I were were, were dating, and and I had to just beat her off all the time. You know, she was just chasing me everywhere. And finally, you know, um, not really, I had to do the opposite for her. But the thing is, whenever we were dating, I, I really wanted to understand her. Now you're saying, man, can you really understand a woman? I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you can. But you really tried to understand her. And the more I focus in trying to understand her, the more it affected my life. Didn't it happen that way with you guys? Uh-huh. You better say yes. And then, ladies, it happens that way with you too. It began to... Change your life. You begin to conform your life. And then when you enter into marriage, it really began to conform your, your life. Instead of being Johnny and Debbie, you began to just see them together. It affects your life. That's what it means to know God. That you are so focused on Him that it affects your life. I mean, your life is being conformed into the character of Him But then that word know or knowing that is used there means this. It means involving the inner part of the mind where you're so focused upon him and he's motivated. That's where the passion comes from. So your understanding and it's conforming you and to knowing him, then man, you are highly motivated then to move into a deeper understanding where it becomes your life. It becomes your life. You become married you become intimate and that's what it means to know God that you're moving into a deeper intimacy with God more than just a head knowledge about God of saying all these things about him about what you read and memorizing everything but no you're moving into an intimacy where sometimes it's kind of hard to explain it but you just know you just know something is there Something is there, knowing Him like that. You know what God wants to do in your life and in my life every day. Now I'm 69 and moving on to 70, moving on to 100, I hope, one day. and I hope one day, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, moving on, I hope that I know Him more tomorrow than I do today. I hope my life is is being more conformed into what his life is tomorrow than it is today. I hope today is better than what it was yesterday. Why? Because the passion of life is to know him. The objective of your life is to know him. The main objective of life is just to know him. Listen, that's more important than any bucket list than you'll ever have. Is to know him. It's just to know him. So, what does it mean to know him? It means that that you're focusing on him and what you're seeing and what you are experiencing is transforming and you're conforming your life into what he is, into his likeness. Ah, but it moves on a little bit more than that because there's a result in knowing God. You know, once I set my mind upon the very things of God and I have a deep, passion for him in, in my life and walking within an intimacy with holy God? Because that is God's desire. And let me ask, answer this question because you're asking it. I know I hear it. You're saying, how do you know that that is what God really wants out of my life? Well, he showed it on a cross that he wants to have a deeper relationship with you and he wants you to have a deeper relationship with him. He wants to know you and to fellowship with you, and he wants you to know him and to fellowship with him. And it all came by the the cross of Calvary, and you can see it. There it is. God says, I'm displaying my desire. I'm displaying the duty that is an intimacy, an intimacy of knowing me, and I've provided it all through my Son, all through my Son. Well, what's the results of all of that? There're several of them. Let me give them to you. First of all, one of the major results of knowing of knowing God and being passionate about God is that God begins to reveal. God begins to reveal. Read Isaiah chapter 6. You began to see the revelation of God himself. And you can read over in the book of the Revelation, especially in chapter 4. Well, in chapter 1 and then chapter 4 and all through it, you begin to see and God begins to reveal. Well, what does he reveal? He reveals himself. You see, you begin to see God deeper the more you get into his heart and you want to spend time and you pursue and you have a passion for him. He reveals himself to you. He reveals himself to you where you're able to get in to the very depth of his heart. You know there's more that God has for you? There is so much more. There is so much more. So much more. We had a friend, uh, a guy that meant a lot uh, Debbie and I over the years. He was in our church whenever I was down in Dothan. I invited him. I've never had him to preach for me. He was 80, I oh, was Jack, 83 years old. And 83 years old, just finished a book, writing another book. And he was just, just boom, just beaming. And, and I, I, he sat down in the front pew. And I said, well, Jack, what are you going to preach? He said, oh, there's more. And I said, well, that's good, Jack, but what are you going to preach? And he said, oh, man, there's so much more. He got up, he got up in the pulpit had his Bible. He crossed his hands on the Bible. He looked out at the congregation and he said, let me just kind of tell you this, that there's more. He paused for a moment and smiled and he looked at him again and he said, let me tell you again, there's a lot more. There is more to the more. Oh, and then I began to get a little antsy because, listen, Jack, you got to get a little bit more than that, you know, come on. You know, I won't have a job next week if you don't give me a little bit more than that. But oh, how true he was. And the more you get to know him, the more you see of him. And the more you see of him, the more he reveals himself to you. Friend, there is so much more to God that God wants to show you about himself. I mean, there is so much more. And God says, all I want you to do is be passionate towards me. All I want you to do is desire to know me. All I want you to do is to carry out your first duty and your main duty. And that is to know me and to know me and to know me more than anything else. He said, I will reveal myself to you. But not only does he reveal himself to you, he reveals yourself and myself to me. He did in Isaiah 6, did he not? When Isaiah went and he saw the Lord, and he ended up saying, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Listen, when you begin to get to know God, you begin to realize that he's holy and you're not. I can think high of myself, but I get before holy God, I find out how low I am. I may say I'm a very smart person, I get before holy God, and I find out how dumb I am. I am finding out every day, the more I think I know and I get before God, the more I realize I know nothing. Because his wisdom is so much more than mine. His ways are so much higher than mine. And the more I get to know him, the more everything I know begins to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And he begins to reveal everything that is deep into my heart, and my life begins to change. It begins to change. All because of being before him and knowing him. I tell you, whenever Isaiah went back home, after he saw the Lord there in Isaiah chapter 6, and he said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He went in with one attitude, and he left and went home with a different attitude. I imagine when he got home, uh, you know, he was different. And his wife probably said, Man, Isaiah, where have you been? He says, I've been to church. He said, To church? Church has never done that to you. He says, But you don't realize who showed up. You don't realize who showed up. God showed up, and look what happened. He said, I saw the Lord, and he was high, and he was lifted up, and he changed me. And not only then, but there was a changing process happening in his life over and over and over and over where he could see even the future. And there was the prophecies of give, even given to him about the Son of God being born as a baby. It's all in there. How would he have ever known about all of that? Well, he got to the place where his passion was to know was to know God, and he revealed himself. But not only does God reveal himself, to me and myself to me, but also he reveals himself through me. Man, that's the greatest thing. Over in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, it begins talking about that, for it says there, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. He said, there's a revelation, God begins to reveal himself through my life to a world that I began, (laughs) I don't know any other word to to say, I began to smell like God. I've been around him so much. I began to take on his aroma, the fragrance of Christ. You can kind of get a whiff. That's when somebody's been with God, you kind of get a whiff. You know what it's like being around a fire, you know, out and, you know, you're out there cooking or whatever. And somebody can come in and you can smell they've been around a campfire. They've been around a barbecue grill. They've been somewhere. Why? You get it. You you can smell it. You can smell And I tell you, when somebody has been with holy God, I promise you, you can smell it. It's in the atmosphere. It's everywhere around them. They're walking. Why? It's not them. It's just the aroma of God coming through their life. And to the world, their kiss of death. But unto those who know Christ, is life itself. Oh, listen, God reveals himself. The greatest revelation of his character is through us. And he begins, we begin to understand how, how God wants to use our life. And we begin to become more passionate towards him. And then the aroma of Christ is, is working deeper and deeper and deeper. Oh, God reveals. But not only does God reveal, listen, your, your view of life begins to change. Everything begins to change. You begin to see life differently because you're seeing life through his eyes. You're seeing life through his eyes seeing life through his eyes, and it leads us on to the other area where you begin to walk with an inner confidence and a, 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 with an inner security. You're, you're, you're okay. There's an inner security. I begin to see things different. He's transforming my vision. I can see things differently. This way, and there's a confidence in here. I'm around a lot of Christians, uh, I mean all over, you are are too, and I I get around and I start listening, and I listen to myself. Do you know that Christians are sometimes the most insecure people? They're, They're the most fearful people. I mean, scared to death about what's happening in this world. Scared to death what's happening in our country. Scared to death. I got a question. Why? Have you seen God? He's bigger than that. He is. Amen? He is. Why are you scared? And there was a guy by the name of John on the Isle of Patmos set there to die. I mean skinny as can be and no one cared for him at all. Never got a text, you know, never got a phone call. No one's there. No one cared about him anymore. He was just there, and he was doom and gloom. The Roman government was everywhere, and they were killing him. They wanted him dead, and and the Lord said, listen, hey, do you want to come up here and see something wonderful and see what's going on? He said, sure, I do. Man, it's a whole lot better to see that than what I'm in right now got up there and he walked in and there it was in Revelation chapter 4 he walked into the throne room of God and got a whiff of God the glory of God and everything in there and he saw everything that was going to come through the book of the Revelation he said I saw everything that is going to come and then, then he was put right back down in Patmos once again Do you think when he got back to Patmos you think his view of life changed a little bit <laughs> I, think said, I think he said to the Roman government what's your next shot What else you got? I mean, what I have just seen, you have nothing in comparing to what I have just witnessed. My God is greater than you. And I'm going to be okay. You see, that comes through knowing Him. The greatest thing you'll ever do for insecurity is spend time with God. You need His security. You don't need someone else to give you security. You need Him. He's the only one that can secure your heart. Only one that can settle your mind. He's the only one, and it all comes by spending that time with him. That he is there with all authority and all power, and you see him, and he is the one that is consuming your view. Remember that word, understanding and knowing, out of Jeremiah 9, 24? Well, that's the whole thing. Then it all moves. Whenever all of that is happening and God is revealing himself, your view is beginning to change. There's an inner confidence inside of you. You know what's going to change? Your lifestyle is going to change. You're going to walk different. You're going to talk different. You're going to treat people different. Why? Because you have been with holy God And you have to treat people different because you're going to treat people like he does. Jesus made a statement. He said, You know what? I I do what I see my father doing. And this is, it hit me the other night on this, whenever I was reading that in the scripture. He says, I do what I see my father doing. He says, I see my father being kind to this person over here. So I'm going to go and I'm going to be kind. Why? My father is being kind. I see this person over here that needs love and my father's loving him. What am I doing? I'm going over there and I'm going to love that person. Why? Because that's what my father's doing. It alters. It alters your lifestyle. And you begin to do things differently. You begin to treat people differently. Why? Because you've seen the hand and the heart of Almighty God. Well, how do you get there? Quickly, how do you get there? How do I get to know? What's the steps? The first thing is to know the Son. You must know Jesus. You'll never know God. Jesus said this, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, absolutely no one, can come to my Father and get to the heart of my Father, get to the, to the throne of my Father unless they come through me. I, you have to know me. You have to know Jesus. You've got to know that you're born again in order to know God. The first dude is to know God, but you've got to know his Son to get to him. Let me ask you, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Have you had that experience with Christ where you've received Jesus into your life to be the Lord and Savior, to open your eyes and introduce you to the Father in heaven? You must know Him. The second thing is this. Be devoted to Him. Devote yourself to Him. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 21 says... Who is he who will devote himself to be close to me? Now, that devote doesn't mean, well, I'm going to just give you a little bit. That devote means I'm turning everything over. It means a surrendering. You know, you'll never find in Scripture really where it says to dedicate and and to commit. It's always surrendering. Your hands have got to be off of it. Where you're devoting, you're taking your hands off your life and say, Lord, my life now, Lord, I want to get into the one purpose of life. And that one purpose is to know you. You devote yourself, surrender yourself into that. And then the third thing is spend time with Him. Do you spend time with God daily? Or are you one of those that say, well, I just don't have any time to spend with God. Listen, if you don't have time to spend with God, you have a messed up priority life you are if you don't have time to spend with holy god and i'm shocked i I share this with a lot of preachers and and i found out that most preachers only spend five to ten minutes a day in prayer themselves you know what the average prayer life of a of a lay person is one to three minutes a day and we wonder why we're in the mess that we're in no passion for holy god no time to spend with holy god the creator of everything in the universe, the one who gives all power, who has all authority, who is all loving, who is all kind, who is all gracious. We don't want to spend time with him. Why? I got something else to do. You're too busy if you don't have time to spend with God. It doesn't matter who you are. That time with God To spend time with Him. And not only spending time with Him, but then whenever you spend time in that Word, reading that Word and praying to the Father of of the Lord, and just spending the time with Him, and then obeying what He's telling you. I love what it says in Ezra. When Ezra was getting ready to be before the people, it says he spent time to hear God and to vote himself before the Lord and to do it. Do what it says. Whenever you read something, do it. You don't have to pray about doing it. Do it. Why? Holy God said to do it. Holy God said to do it, and I do it. Because he said to do it. The standard of your life is him. The duty of your life is him. The passion of your life is him. He is the controller, the Lord, the ruler of everything. He is holy, 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 holy God. Oh, listen, this morning, you're created to know Him. If you're in Christ, you were saved that you might know Him. Now let me ask you a question. Do you have a passion for Him? Or is your passion dull? Or really, you don't have that desire to spend time with God and to know Him. If you do, ask God to change your heart. Be honest with the Lord. And say, Lord, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I haven't been carrying out my duty. I, haven't, I don't spend time with you. I, I don't spend any time with you. You're second on the list, third on the list. But Lord, today, will you please forgive me for that, for a messed up priority and... In my life and lord may i get back to the main duty give me a desire a passion for your heart to know your heart that i might see life as you see it that i might know a confidence in you like i've never known before and that my entire life will be like your life and lord that when i walk around others they see something different because they know that I've been with God? Is that your passion? The chief end and duty of man is to know God and to enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. And He wants to enjoy you. Let Him. Will you bow with me for a moment? Let every head bow for just a moment. This morning I want to ask you, do you know Christ? Do you know Him? If you should die today, would you go to heaven? Because you have come to a point in your life, and you came to a point where you saw your need of a Savior because of the sin in your heart. Do you know Jesus? Have you ever been born again? That's the first place to go. If not Ask Him. He's waiting for you. Ask Him to come in and be the Lord and Savior of your heart and your life this morning. Ask Him to come in. If you're already a believer, let me ask you this. Do you have a passion to know Him? Or has your spiritual life become a little dull? And you've kind of gone through the religious motions. I'm not saying that you're not religious. I'm just saying that you don't have a passion for God. Ask Him this morning. The Holy Spirit is in you. Release Him. Ask Him to create a deep passion and desire for you. You're as close to God this morning as you want to be. And you cannot be any closer than what you so desire to be. And God will take you as far as you want to go in knowing him. But will not take you any farther than what you're willing to go. Are you willing? This morning, be willing. Father, right now we bow before you. And Lord, you've spoken to us. And Lord, every time I share this, Lord, you always speak to me. Lord, I pray in my own heart, Lord, that you'll create more of a deeper passion to know you, Lord, and to walk with you and to see you more than I ever have. And Lord, I just want to enjoy you. Oh, just enjoy you as Adam and Eve did in the cool of the evening with you. So, Lord, may our eyes open. May our vision become more clear, Lord, in seeing you. There's more. There's more. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here without Christ that they'll come to know Jesus today. But there's more. So Lord, I commit this to you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and sing an invitational hymn. And it's all about the love, about your love for Jesus. The love that you have for him. So I want us to stand together and turn to that invitational hymn and sing, if you need to come to Christ, I'll be here waiting for you. If you need to come to an altar, come and pray. Whatever it is, let's stand together. And let's just desire the very heart of God, the very heart of God, and obey him